0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Z Dog MD Show. Okay, so recently we've been talking a lot about awakening. <laughs> this shift in perception and identity that can change everything. So we talk so much about transforming healthcare. We talk about changing our systems. We talk, we complain, we we often talk about being victimized by these things. But in truth, this shift in kind of who we take ourselves to be, this fundamental transformation of the one who seems to care about all this can actually be the central issue in transforming the system. Because when people actually are able to wake up to their true nature, these kind of changes are inevitable. They they ripple out inevitably. Whereas when we're still stuck in this sense of our identity as, the one separate from everything, that's the victim of everything, that has all the problems, that can't change the system, that can't fix X, Y, and Z, that's stuck charting an Epic late at night, that all this other stuff. When we're stuck in that, and that's the only thing we can see, it's very hard to feel like anything can change. And honestly, it can't, because we get the system that is a reflection of us. So I thought this would be a good time, because we've talked a lot about awakening on the past few shows. It'd be a good time to say, okay, how do you do it? Like what's a really direct way to add rocket fuel to the accident, the non-event that is awakening? Because the best you can do for awakening is, because there's really no doer. That, that scene after awakening is like, oh, the, the self I thought was doing all this stuff doesn't exist, it's kind of an illusion. So how does it then happen? Well, <laughs> sometimes part of the unfolding is simply the chaos of being exposed to an idea Seemingly coincidentally, that shifts everything. And in this case, the idea may simply be the idea of self-inquiry. So this this kind of approach, where you're looking for the one who's looking, you're looking for the sense of self that you take to be a given. It feels energetically like you, the one who's thinking thoughts, the one who's doing deeds, and. So this interview is from a year ago and it recently showed up in my own feed. And I was in a fairly meditative state listening and I started to listen to it and and it became very clear, oh, this is so direct and so perfect the way Angelo Delulo, who's a physician, been on my show many times, wrote a book called Awake, It's Your Turn. And he describes some of this in his book, but this is an even more complete sort of pointer as to how you can take what was meditation and just add rocket fuel to it to wake up. And it's as simple as looking for what's looking in your experience. And that that sounds simple, but it can actually be very tricky if we get too much in our heads about it. So what I would recommend listening to this, because you know we talk about meditation versus self-inquiry, this question of who are you, the kind of fear barriers that can arise, um, the resistance and the shadow parts of our personality that can kind of obstruct by generating these beliefs and thoughts that can derail the process, how you surrender into inquiry, um, and why the smartest people actually have the most trouble with this. So this is actually particularly helpful for people who overthink things. So the, the way I think to approach this is kind of be still, be still and really pay attention. We did this interview over a year ago And now watching it back, I'm like, oh, this is so key. And so I wanna repost it here with this sort of intro that sitting and listening to Angela and I talk about this is one thing, but really being present, really sitting in the silence of the present moment and allowing the words to evoke something in you beyond the mind, beyond the intellect, Because in a way, inquiry is using the intellect and turning it on itself to go beyond the intellect. And that sounds weird until it doesn't. So just be with this teaching and see how it strikes you. And for many people, this is the key. This is the key that unlocks the indescribable, ineffable shift in perception. And then all the stuff that comes after, which we talk about in other episodes. All right, I've said enough. Without further ado, Dr. Angelo Delulo and myself talking about self-inquiry and the question, who are you? Angelo Delulo, back again, another episode. You are the author and doctor and guy that did Awake. It's your turn. The link will be in the description along with a way to sign up for your email list for retreats and things like that. We're talking today about inquiry. So this process of looking—that's how I think of it—and I'd love I'd love you to talk me through this inquiry into into the present moment, into who we are as a matter of identity, and and why. Well, let's just start. What what the hell is inquiry?
1: What is inquiry? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I recently released a video uh, that was titled "Why Meditation Is Not Enough," or meditation doesn't always work. When it comes to this topic of awakening or this topic of uh, finding your way through the boundaries of identity, uh, which results in a in a shift in identity, which we call awakening, uh, just meditating in and of itself is not really uh, sufficient, generally speaking. And, Not everybody might agree with with what I'm saying, but but the reason is is meditation is uh, relaxing. It's uh, peaceful. It can calm the calm the mind and calm the body calm the body mind. Uh, But in and of itself, it doesn't really uh, push the ego structures. It doesn't threaten the ego structures in any way. In fact, the ego you could say what you take yourself to be enjoys. Being relaxed, it enjoy. It feels good. It wants to feel good. The ego wants to feel good, of course. It wants to relieve its own suffering. What it doesn't want to do is go away. You know, it wants yeah. to, it wants to self protect. So it's actually quite flexible. The ego is um, a, a sort of uh, fluid. It, it can it can find itself in many different situations and and find a way to be comfortable. And it can learn to be comfortable on the meditation cushion as well. And, and actually,
0: not not to interrupt, but I think this is where a lot of the sort of self-help and administration, say in medicine are like, oh, meditation, 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 mm-hmm. a way to, and the ego grasps onto that and says, oh, I can relax, I can mm-hmm. be more productive, I can be more focused, mm-hmm. I can be more centered, whatever that means, and all of that. But that is not what you would describe as, say, realization or awakening or any of that, right? Correct,
1: yeah, yeah. that's that's a good way of saying it. Mm. Um, it, I'm not against awake, uh, I'm not against meditation at all in fact I recommend it and I would recommend a meditation practice for anyone who feels that it's relevant to them or relevant in their life uh, and even as a, as a baseline or background for, for inquiry or for these more direct approaches that we'll talk about for awakening. Uh, so I, I'm all for I'm all for meditation and, and the book has some different ways to approach it. Mm. Um, but to, to answer the question what is inquiry? Inquiry, inquiry is uh, a way to directly get at the boundaries and the structure of your identity mm-hmm. because awakening really is about uh, a transformation in identity. It's, it's simply stated you are not what you take yourself to be and what you take yourself to be is uncomfortable, inherently uncomfortable. Um, if you've gotten this far, you probably already understand that we typically say most people experience some degree of suffering uh, whether or not they're fully aware of it or consciously aware of it at all times but that recognition that the suffering suffering is there is what often starts this starts the ball rolling or starts someone on this pathless path so how do you get at identity when what you take yourself to be is an assumption like you, you don't question it right typically you wouldn't normally question that in fact we are we're living in the information age. We love information. We love to question things and look into things and research and compare and argue. Like we do this all day long, right? On the internet, online, social media. But it's really fascinating that we conspicuously ignore (laughs) looking into the one thing- (laughs) The biggest mystery. (laughs) That almost makes the most sense. Like, who am I? Yeah. Like what's at the center of all that? Why am, I, why am I trying to collect all that information? What am I looking for? Why am I trying to arrange my life to make myself feel better? What, why do I struggle? Like, so the big questions all point, all those arrows, if you just turn them around, they all point back to this me, right? What's actually going on with me? In fact, what am I? What is it that I take myself to be? And why is that not necessarily what I am? What am I? Who am I? Where can I find that? Where am I? Right? These very fundamental questions that might sound ludicrous, but when you actually start asking, and if you ask earnestly and you actually look at where your attention goes when you start to ask these questions, you will notice something change. You'll notice things start to shift or change or you'll notice experiences that are uncommon in your day-to-day life. That's inquiry. That's inquiry starting to work. You're actually asking a, a relatively simple question in a, in a relatively usual way, but you're directing it in a place that you usually don't look. And that starts with looking into who you are who you are right now. Um, and it can also be a matter of looking into what you take yourself to be, which is often thought-based, right? Because if you ask somebody, well, who are you? And they just said, oh, well, you know, I'm Joe. I was born in this year. I have this, this is my family. This is my history. They just go through the, the sort of collection of thoughts and beliefs. Um, then you, you might notice, well, those are all thoughts, right? Those don't actually tell me what you are right now in this moment. Mm. You as the conscious one, you as the one that's hearing this, receiving this, communicating, interacting, and even recalling those memories. Who is that? Who or what is that? What is its nature? What is its actual nature? Can you inhabit that nature? You know. And so the more you start to look into this, the more you realize, well, first of all, it's not a thought. Mm. It's not a thought. Because the thoughts come and go, but what I, whatever it is that I am, the experience of I am, the experience of me or this awareness right now, it's not contingent upon thoughts. It doesn't change when the thoughts come and go, come and go, come and go. And thoughts come and go all day long, right? So you start to realize like, oh, wait a minute. So whatever I am is not defined by any thought, belief, memory, etc. So then it becomes a little bit more mysterious and yet you can still continue to ask, well then who am I, mm. what am I? And you can turn your attention back on itself in fact, you turn your attention back to the root of attention itself, and that's where the magic is. That's p- proper self-inquiry, as, as I would describe, uh, or um, teach someone to use or utilize if they want to start to investigate their identity or they're wanting to wake up. That's how I would direct them to kind of look. Uh, so so the first stop is often the thoughts. Okay, well, I know I'm not this you know, memory, that memory, this belief, and that belief, because those change all the time. Right? You could, you could say, well, I'm a carpenter. Okay, well, what were you before you were a carpenter? You know, what if, what if all of a sudden you're not working in that profession anymore? Did you cease to exist and reappear as something else? Or was there something there the whole time, right? So that's like the first stop is as you, as you go, okay, well, I'm, maybe I'm the thoughts, and then you start to learn, oh, I'm not any of that. I'm not the thoughts, the beliefs, the memories. So the next stop is sort of this, this, this ineffable presence hmm. of just awakeness right now, of consciousness, awareness. There's no exact word for it, but it's damn well obviously you, right? It's you. It's you listening to this. It's you who is aware of the thoughts. It's you who can be completely aware with no thoughts, even for a second, for two seconds, for three seconds. And what happens is you start to actually learn to just turn your attention back into that, and that gap can get longer until you really start to notice, oh, there is a full-on obvious self-validating sense of me sense of I without even having to say the word I internally or have a thought about it that doesn't come or go. It's right here, right now. And the thoughts can actually start to calm down quite a bit. And it's, it's still sort of an inquiry. It's still a question, but it's not a question you need a thought answer for anymore. So it's just a sort of fascination that turns inward onto itself. And the fascination and that sense of self are, are sort of seamless with one another. Mm. And you can learn to just rest in that. And that's sort of where inquiry leads you. That's kind of the second step and then by staying there some predictable things usually happen it may take some time it may take you a few days weeks months even a couple of years depending on how adamant you are to stay there but often you'll hit a fear barrier and this is pretty predictable you'll you'll actually at some point when the thoughts calm down enough and you just remain in that sense of i pure sense of being right now without grabbing the next thought at all without entertaining thoughts just remaining right there not thinking about anything you'll start to feel uh, a fear bubbling up at some point. It's a it's a physiologic fear response because because you're letting go of all of the thought identity. So all the stuff you thought you were is literally being disentangled from identity. And the body interprets that as fear or, or a certain kind of, almost like a death. Death. Yeah. But it, the, the thing I always tell people about this is it, it can be even a, quite an intense experience. I mean your heart rate might go way up you might physically feel like you're physically in danger, but you know you're not because there's nothing happening um, And I tell people just sit sit through it. it's okay. It, it won't last forever. it'll last a few minutes usually mm-hmm. it might last five minutes it might even last 10 minutes who knows but it will go it will pass And often when the first time someone experiences that, even if they've heard me say this, it's so surprising because it's so intense and we're so used to, believing our body, which, you know, is a good idea. If your body feels fear, you should probably pay attention that we, we can't help but like back off, right? So that's the most common response people get is that they just back off and they're like, well, I don't know what that was. And then they go, oh yeah, that's that fear response you were telling me about, yeah? Mm-hmm. Or I'll just remind them, hey, totally normal. It's perfectly okay. Just don't entertain thoughts during that. And notice the physical experience. It's a physical response the body's having. And just wait it out. It doesn't usually take that long. And most of the time, the second or third time they come across that, they just go right through it. And okay. then you, that's not that's still the this is still the beginning. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, what happens then is things t- tend to get very very quiet. Very it's a very neutral experience, uh, but it's contentless or largely contentless. Literally no thought, but just a pure sense of aware being. It's wide awake, it's not, it's not sleepy, it's not daydreamy. It's wide awake, clear, crisp consciousness. Can't,
0: so this is, I'm gonna make one interruption because mm-hmm. this is where often I find myself. And you mentioned a fear barrier. Sometimes what happens here can be a boredom barrier. Mm-hmm. The, the mind, this is absolutely peaceful, quiet, awake awareness that you, you feel it. And the mind goes, boring. Mm-hmm. Come here. Come here. You got stuff to do and mm-hmm. can yank you back into thought at least for me. Is that something that's common or no?
1: Yeah, one of the handful of things that will happen and and, and two of them are the most common at this phase. Once you've kind of gotten through a fear barrier and you're not really experiencing that anymore and you can lead yourself to that neutral, contentless experience of being, right? And you're not sitting there thinking I'm in a contentless experience of being. I'm just using those words to describe something that has no content. Okay. And it's very neutral, actually. It's not a big deal. It's not like mind-expanding, universe-exploding kind of stuff. It's nothing mystical. It's it's very, very, very present and contentless. And
0: it's not like everything goes black. Nope. It's not like nope. your senses stop. It's more
1: like light. Yeah. Because you could almost say consciousness, which is the stuff thoughts are made of, which is also the stuff you're made of, the sense of being you, is kind of like light. Light can shine on something, it could shine on the book. That would be one thought. It could shine on the keyboard. That would be another thought. It could shine on the wall. You could say those are the thoughts that it's that it's sort of shining on. It's
0: an illumination. It's yeah. illumination,
1: but it doesn't really shine on thoughts. It actually thoughts appear in consciousness. Right. But that's the analogy, right? I so see. but because it has that illuminating nature, because it's like light, it can also just shine purely into itself. It can be nothing but a pure shining light of consciousness or awareness or beingness or I am, pure sense of I without being something. So it's a little bit more like light, but it is very much awake and alert, mm. but neutral. So one of a handful of things that happens, or two of the most common. One is it's neutral, and the next thought, it's always gonna be a thought that catches you, and it's it's you believing that thought. Mm. The next thought that'll happen is like, oh, this can't be it, because it's neutral. Mm -hmm. It's so Mm -hmm. so uninteresting. Yeah, It's so uninteresting, the mind's like, oh, this must not be it. Maybe, I'll I'll go read the book. Maybe I should look for something else. Yeah, yeah. You're standing right on the doorstep of, you know, Death of the ego and then the <laughs> the mind's like, Oh no, this, this can't be it. This is definitely not it. Right. Th- so you could say like a really subtle, simple, innocent doubt is what is what catches attention often uh-huh.
0: there. And and Hey, sorry to interrupt this episode, it's Dr. Z. Just a quick pitch here. If you can just leave a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, it helps us a lot. I also wanna hear what you think about this episode when you're done listening. Hello at zdogmd.com. It's the best way for me to hear your voice because the emails come right to me. And we don't have a comment section on most podcast platforms. Maybe Spotify has one, but nobody else does. So it really gets your voice involved on episodes, especially that don't have a video. And the third thing is if you want to be a part of this community and support the show, Join our supporter tribe, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. You can join on YouTube, locals, Facebook, Instagram. You get live videos with me where we're talking about these things in depth, uncensored, and your comments are fully incorporated as in real time. And then we do these Zoom meetings where it's really like a beautiful community where we share our experiences on the awakening journey journey. How are we going to transform ourselves so we can transform healthcare and education and government? Because those systems are epiphenomena of us. Until we wake up, those systems will stay asleep. They'll, they're just an expression of our own delusion. So being a part of that, it supports this message so others can hear it. And it also allows for our own collective growth. So we need each other in that way. It's really, really, really tightly interwoven and interdependent. That's it. Back to your regular schedule, regularly scheduled show. When
1: I tell people that, often they'll go, oh my God, exactly that's, what happens every time. It
0: happens to me. And yeah. then the,
1: the, the, another one is I'm bored. Like it's boredom. Yeah. But, but yeah. I, I always say, well, look, at what is boredom? And they're, they're like, they don't even know what it is. I'm like, what is it? And like, well, it's a thought telling me I need to do something, but I don't know what I want to do. Okay, well, that's one thought, right? Yeah. <laughs> what happens when you just say, oh, that's a boredom thought, and then go back to the neutrality? What happens then? Well, nothing happens then, right? Then you're in really good territory. You just mm. stay there. Mm. Inst- I have no instructions beyond that because it's just a matter of staying there. I could say that there's almost a a sense of you may come to a place where you could jump mm. or let go or release, but I really hesitate to say that because people will imagine that. Right? They'll yes. imagine <clears throat> themselves coming to a cliff, and exactly. it's, that's not what I'm saying. Yes, yes. You, it's some It's an instinctual feel sometimes though, where you're like, "Ooh, I could really let go here," and it's it's kind of a big letting go in a way. But again, I don't want anyone to imagine that. It sometimes just comes upon you, and it's just a it's just a dropping like away, a trust fall. Yeah. yeah. At, <laughs> that is the that is the goal of self inquiry is that shift in identity and it's a very simple and very small thing but the implications are huge huge mm. Ch- it causes a shift that doesn't shift back
0: so that is a, that's a it's a it's a potentially permanent uprooting of the sense of identity that is that, that comes about from this process of inquiry that is driven by a curious looking that does not require a conceptual answer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even the even the even the question "Who am I?" is kind of loaded with concept. Like like you said, you have to get past the "Oh, I'm a dad. I'm Zubin. I'm 48. I'm this." Oh, no, 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 no. But that's a thought, right? So, if that's who you are, but it can disappear, then can it really be you? Because there's a you there when. There's none of that.
1: Yeah, and before you, before you were asked to consider that thought, were you, did you not exist? Exactly. Like one second before, of course you were there. Right. Right. So.
0: Or in deep sleep, mm-hmm. do you not exist? Right. That's a question. And mm-hmm. so this, th- this then inquiry turns attention back on itself to the source of the questioner, really, this aware awakeness, and then you're there and you s- try to stay there and thoughts will come and try to distract you in the ways, either through fear response physiologically, mm-hmm. almost an emotional, feel, sensation feel, or a thought response. Either you're bored or this can't be it because it's too.
1: Yeah, it's such a simple and quick thought, actually, the one that says, oh, this can't be it, mm-hmm. that you don't even overtly think it. Right. It's just attention just turns away. It's like, okay, that's not it. What... That, yep. It's like, it's like you're looking for a gem in a, in a room and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, that's not the gem, that's not the gem, that's not the gem. And you find something that's so uninteresting and you're like, well, that's definitely not it. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 go back to that. Uh... That's the gem you were looking for, although it didn't look like your mind thought it was gonna look. It, this does not look like your mind thinks it's gonna look because your mind will make it into something. And this is exactly not something. It's not something in that way. Right. But it is something important.
0: Yes, and, and, and it's intuitive. It's, it, it, you, you know yeah. it when it's there. It, well, l- let, me, let me ask this this way. If you stay in that space of awake being, and that shift happens, however it does for you, whether it's a letting go, whether it's a spontaneous thing, whatever, and you have that fundamental awakening, that identity shift. What happens after you've had that and you do this same process? Mm. You inquire in the same way, but you've had that identity shift. What? How is that?
1: Well, you can confuse yourself. That's possible too, you know, uh, because you're not gonna wake up to, you're not gonna wake up to something that is already completely obvious in your experience. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but i will back up and and mention that you said i think you used the term terminology a permanent dis-
0: I, uprooting
1: uprooting okay yeah. that, that I'll, I'll i'll reword that yes. a little bit it's it's more like you find the plant that's there the, the the roots of ego and you you hack at it and so you cause a you do cause a a a critical disruption in it uh huh but it's not dead yet. What it oh, does, the way oh, it yeah. responds to that is it, it seems to die away and you forget about it. Mm. And then it grows back like Maurice from Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, and it yeah. turns into your- Feed me, yeah, Seymour. Yeah. So yeah. the ego comes back with fire yes. typically after yes. an awakening, it doesn't, after the honeymoon period. The yes. honeymoon period is wonderful and all that, but so, so you, you have started a process that will end in the dissolution of ego at some point, truly. Right. Ego, ego meaning the, the sense of being a separate self the, yeah. uh, being a, someone who's uh struggling against life pushing and pulling on life all the time
0: separate from life
1: separate from life yeah. separate from the the physical experience you're having a perceiver of this yeah right yeah that's that's what i mean by ego structures right. in, in this way right. and and they will they will fully dissolve at some point mm. um for most people who go through this But it takes time, and and the first part feels like there is no ego. Everything's gone. Everything's free, fluid, beautiful, wonderful. That first shift, simple, yeah. And then you start to feel the, the the emotions come back. The. The repressed repressed emotions, the resistance patterns, it starts to come very much into consciousness. Mm-hmm. And the the nice thing with this is that you you have had a, a permanent shift in identity. There's so, the, you you know you have the capacity for this now. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like having a, a foot in two different worlds, like one foot in one world, one foot in the other. That's how it feels to go through this. Mm-hmm. In a sense, the the emotional pain and and stuff that comes forth is even more intense. Mm-hmm. But it's be, it's more intense because all these layers of uh, of identity have been stripped away, so you can feel it directly. Right, and you have to feel it directly. You have to ultimately integrate all of this, and the way it gets integrated is through non-resistance. Ultimately,
0: you have to experience it you raw without resistance, mm-hmm. because
1: the resistance to it, dividing yourself internally experientially, mm-hmm. was what was causing all the suffering anyway. So, so it's an uncomfortable process. This this part uh, at times, and uh, other times it's not. But uh, you, but you will go through that and and integrate it all, and so that's that's when we really get under the, the, or get down to the roots of identity and at mm-hmm. some point pluck up those roots.
0: Is it fair to say that resistance can only happen if there's a resistor, mm-hmm. a separate, uh, a sense of separation from what's happening mm-hmm. that can push on what's happening?
1: Yeah, 100%. So that's a good way of saying it. Resistance is a very interesting thing because you actually never find it, but you, you have to look. You have mm-hmm. to keep looking, you have to mm-hmm. look everywhere um it, it it's a it's an energy signature it's a it's a feeling and you start to recognize it more and more clearly like, when you're resisting anything you know it's like happening a you friction can, yeah a friction with life a friction with yourself with your emotions with yeah. people around you very simple life situations um and you start to pick up how it operates and it's very strange <laughs> how it operates it operates because of the the complexity of human consciousness mm. we can compartmentalize our consciousness in a sense we can we can uh, fracture our own identities I- in a lot of ways we can have competing agendas internally we can have views that we don't see behind um, that's shadow right so we we you you think oh I'm going to do shadow work and then integrate my shadow the truth of it is the shadow is casting you. <laughs> The shadow's running the show, and you, as you take <laughs> yourself to be, you're being cast by your own shadow. And at some point, you have to you have to get back into that shadow somehow. You have to find the the material, the unconscious that's material that's unconscious that's yeah. running the show, that's causing you to feel like yourself, but also causing you to feel like your suffering self, and also co opting some of your behaviors, your beliefs, and that sort of thing. Uh, and uh, and so yeah, that that kind of work is is a, is really a work of uh, love, of curiosity, fascination with with you know what you are who and what you are what reality actually is what thought is what emotion is what sensation is mm. and you really just start to to deeply experience all of it and then you learn that the reason the resistance causes suffering or resistance is suffering is because in the actual, in the in the, in the actual world, uh, there is no such thing as resistance. Mm. The, the that that's the beauty of the honeymoon in period. The real, is you yeah. feel the flow, you feel the spontaneity, yeah, you feel absolute spontaneity, and there's this huge release. Of that feeling of like, I have this huge weight of being me in life and I'm working it, I'm managing it, I'm pushing, but it's I'm always heavy and responsible. It. Yeah. It's just gone. And it's like, oh my God, everything yeah. is in flow and yeah. it always is in flow. It's always been I way. never had to struggle, I never yeah. had to suffer. Yeah. So you know damn well that in natural, let's call it natural reality or unfiltered reality, there is actually no resistance. It yeah. doesn't, re- nothing is resisted. And, and you know that intimately. You know it in your marrow now. Yeah. So then when the resistance comes back, you know. <laughs> It's not fully natural. It's right. something you're doing. Right. You know, not you're not you're not a guilty party. It's a habituated response mm. to your own experiences, to your own emotions, to thoughts. But it is something that you can reverse. It's something that you can by looking closer and closer and closer and seeing there's no agent in there actually doing it, it will soften and at some point it'll completely relax. It will release. Yeah.
0: It it requires looking. Mm-hmm. Bring into the light again. You 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 made the the analogy of awareness as uh, consciousness, as a kind of a light, mm-hmm. and l- shining that light on that material without <clears throat> without identifying as a person who's watching it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of interesting because there's a there is a distinction in my experience that if I'm if I'm suffering, if I'm feeling friction, and now I, I can become quite acutely aware of that. Like I, if if I view it from a viewpoint. Of an observer, it still hurts a lot. Like it hurts, meaning I feel the resistance even strengthen. If I dive into that which I feel is what I'm resisting, whatever the feeling, the raw feeling, the thought, the pattern of energy, whatever it is, then it it almost become you become that, and by becoming that, it it I, for lack of a better word, it kind of transmutes into mm-hmm. whatever it's going to be, yep. and that releases, and and then the suffering component of it is gone. Mm. It doesn't mean the pain or the, whatever that feeling is, is gone, like anger or shame or fear or whatever it is, is there. And often in me, it manifests physically. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, there's an elephant sitting on my chest. Like, what, the, where, what am I dying? Do I need mm-hmm. to go see the doctor? No, I know what this is, mm-hmm. it's this. One day it's gonna actually be a heart attack right. and then I'm screwed.
1: <laughs> like, oh, it's just that elephant again.
0: Yeah, it's just the <laughs> elephant. So yeah, it, 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 yeah, and the inquiry. So inquiry continues, though, after awakening.
1: Well, yeah, I wanted to bring it back around, uh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and you started to bring it back around when you said it, it's about looking. Mm. So three, there are three very common um, preconceived ideas that people carry for a long time in this process, even after awakening, that I bump into a lot.
0: Mm.
1: And most questions I get from people when I'm working through this stuff with them, this deeper stuff, uh, can fall into one of these three categories, and it's a belief. It's beliefs we have, and they didn't adopt this belief through the spiritual process or the awakening process or anything like that. These beliefs came from a long time ago. They come from the, the way we perceive ourselves being a human being mm-hmm. and doership and moving through life and struggle and, and reward and all of it. Um, and the the three main categories are: I'm I'm going to get something in this process. Like I need to find something. I need to add something. I'm gonna lose something. I'm gonna mm. get rid of, I'm trying to get rid of something. Um, uh, well, I can't remember the third one. I was gonna say three, but uh, anyway. You know
0: what? It's always nice. Th- yeah. Comedy comes in threes. Yeah. You always have to have a third. So just make one up.
1: Yeah, right, <laughs> you exactly.
0: Know, hot dogs. Yeah, and the, hot dogs,
1: are the third one is corn dogs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no.
1: Um, I think the first one is kind of has two nuances to it. Is what I was what I was thinking in my mind, oh, yeah. but the the gist of it is that uh, the, the the perception you have as you're working through this stuff often f- sort of guides itself down into one of these categories. Of like I'm going to gain something, like I'm going to find something. I'm going to find the the big realization. I'm going to mm. find my awakening again, and and I kind of redirect that and say, notice that's a thought. There's nothing to find, and you know that now. After awakening, I can redirect people very easily because. They get it. They yeah. energetically get it. like, oh, of course, that's a thought. I'm not going to get anything. There's nothing to get, right? Yeah. Um, or I, you're going to get rid of something. You're going to like go in there and find the pain body and kick it out, or you're going to go in there and find resistance and kick it out. And I, and I'll, again, I'll say there's another thought, right? And 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 someone will say, oh, totally, yeah, of course, you know. And I've done this with myself a hundred thousand times too. So um, so that's where the mind tends to go with this. Uh, but the truth of it is, and this is kind of usually what I say after that, is I say this is all about clear seeing. There's nothing else. Reality is such that if you just see closely what's happening, if you see closely enough in a vulnerable way, in an honest way, in a direct way, and repeatedly until it's seen clearly, everything takes care of itself. Mm. Reality is your best friend. It's the lover that never leaves you. You You will be pleased as punch how this all comes out if you just keep looking. Just keep looking at what's happening and being honest, and being honest with what's not happening, which are thoughts. With uh, your, your thoughts about what's happening, that's not what's that's, actually happening. That's,
0: that's, that's not reality. <laughs> right,
1: and as long as you keep d- digging and you keep looking, it comes. everything comes out just, just perfectly fine, um, but you gotta go all the way. You gotta keep going. Uh, with that said, what that whole process I'm talking about is, that clear seeing, looking closer, closer, closer at everything, emotions, sensations, resistance patterns, whether there's a self there, whether there's not a self there, what consciousness is, the nature of thoughts, all of it. If you keep looking and looking and looking, that process is what I would call the broader term inquiry. Mm. So the first part of inquiry is self-inquiry. Who and a am lot I, of times, yeah. yeah, a lot of times like uh, Ramana Maharishi and uh, Nisakardata talked about mostly uh, Ramana, but the, about self-inquiry: Who am I? Um, but uh, I would say that inquiry goes beyond that. After that first awakening, you can still inquire that way if you want to, if it feels relevant. But there's there are m- much more specific inquiries you can look into with. Things like equanimity, um, doership, the the illusion of time, the illusion of distance, space, and division, which is non-duality. So there are specific inquiries that can be very helpful because you're looking at very subtle things now. Mm. The closer you look, the more subtle everything gets until everything turns into subtlety, until you realize everything is a paradoxical, extremely subtle, the most obvious thing in the room experience of... Unfiltered reality, you know, and it gets very (laughs) difficult to talk about. But the the fixations become more and more subtle, Mm. that that you have to engage, or that you still looking, looking, yeah. yeah, But you've got to keep just looking like a microscope, you know. That's how it ends up being. So that is what I would call inquiry, and it can be directed inquiry, or it can just be a sort of surrendered inquiry of, oh, whatever's happening now, that's what needs to be happening. That's what I need to feel. What am I feeling? And just let attention draw down into that sensation in the body fully inhabiting it, seeing, does it have boundaries? Does it have an inside or an outside? Does it have a name? Does it have a label? Does it have a location, right?
0: This this idea of surrendered inquiry is really interesting to me because I think in the book also you use the term natural inquiry as another, these are labels, but the process of surrendered inquiry for me is you are absolutely just open to whatever happens next with a curiosity tone. So there's a, almost a big question in the mind, what is this in general? And you're allowing awareness to go where it goes. And when it goes somewhere, you're really just, what is this? What is this? What is this? And without attaching a lot of labels, judgments, how your mind's moving, letting trying to let that drop. And it's actually harder than it, and it sounds to do mm-hmm. but when it does click into a flow it is this kind of natural inquiry where everything is and and that questioning kind of disarms the mind in a way because it's like it's just looking mm-hmm. with a one big question mark yeah that's how that's when i've experienced it in that flow state that's how it feels to me is that mm-hmm. crazy or
1: no i think that's that's very much how it is and there there there's no finality to this whole mm-hmm. thing exactly <clears throat> But with regards to the individual identity, there is a finality to it.
0: Okay, explain. Because at some
1: point you'll see it doesn't
0: exist at all. <laughs> the individual identity. At all. So the final
1: stage and of that, that. And that in a sense is a very much a finality. With that said, realization, that the, you could say the roots of suffering, the, the attachment to conditions in very subtle ways, there's still an investigation of that that just goes on and on and on. However, from that point on, it proceeds very much in a spontaneous nature. It it, it it proceeds as spontaneity because that's <laughs> in a the, sense what you are. You're not anything right, right. necessarily. You're not even not anything. It's it's just not. A, it's not in that category of uh, ways of talking. Don't even make sense here. Identity once identity seen through, it's and it's done. There's no. You don't even have to look back to see that it's not there. Yeah. You realize it just didn't make sense. It, it's you can't find it anywhere and it's gone. Yeah. The, the 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 preoccupation with it is gone and that's a huge relief. From there. Reality it's is just unfiltered reality and it it still is experienced through this body this body mind which has uh, habits filters and so forth so that will continue to clarify over time but it it comes from a place of spontaneity instead of a place of a self thinking it's going through looking for all these these experiences and to dissolve itself and you know like the ego can't dissolve the ego it doesn't make any sense right at some point that's Kind it of just seems to be nonsense. So yeah. it, you you really start to you, you start to feel that surrendered inquiry. It has yeah. to be that way at some point until it's just surrendered. And ju- it's like you could almost say the only thing left is surrender, and the only thing left is a, a sort of inquiry, which is a fascination with reality. Because what what, el- what what else would reality that, yeah. do besides yeah. be fascinated with being reality? Oh,
0: okay, so so people who think this sounds crazy, mm-hmm. uh, I can just say this: like this morning we're sitting outside on the street, we're drinking our coffee you're pointing at this with words to me. You're saying, this is what this is like. And you can't describe it in words, but you're pointing to it. And I'm sitting there and there it is. Like It's almost like reality is a, a live process without a witness of it that's self-aware somehow. Somehow these phenomenon that are happening are just, they know themselves <laughs> without a knower. And the whole thing is in a live process that's really eternal, timeless, and also empty of any real substance, but mm-hmm. also full of incredible density of, it's indescribable. Mm-hmm. And that that's what it felt like this morning.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, since we're going out there, yeah, I'll, I'll say it this way. It's like, okay, if you're sitting here uh, and I'm also wanting to to make a slight adjustment to how you're describing awareness, but if I'm sitting here, and like we were this morning we're having coffee, and you know I might be sitting here, and the street is over there as I'm sitting here, and the street is over there, if you don't experience separation, meaning there's no sense of boundaries, the sense of being a body and the sense of being that street are not two things mm. so your your sense of both of those are equally true and equally experienced, and there's no space. So that's not really over there and I'm not really over here. Right. You can see that the mind is trying to make it look like that, yeah. and it, it's fine. It's functionally uh, reasonable. It makes sense and it, it makes us be able to navigate the world, but it's not actually like, you know damn well it's not like that because you're experiencing it not like not that. Like so that. It's, yeah. like, it's like being I'm here and there at the same time. And here's the deal the way our mind has to hear what, what I'm saying right now is that there's some kind of awareness of that, mm-hmm. but there's not an awareness of that. Mm-hmm. It's literally that. Mm-hmm. It's like, the, the, there's not something aware of this all, um, this this interpenetrated experience we're talking about. There is, it's aware of itself as itself. That's the awareness. Yeah. The awareness is it. Yes. The awareness is- They're not too. You know, I, I, I hesitate to say it, but me as that cup, me as that keyboard, me as that book. The, the, the when identity drops away, you see, that it actually was an illusion, and it was a learned belief system that I am separate from that. I'm separate from that. I'm separate from that. You you literally experience all of that as totally non separate, and there's not an awareness apart from it experiencing it. It's that it's that close. It's that intimate.
0: Yeah. And and that is things the,
1: are not in parts.
0: Yes, and that is the punchline of all of this. But don't worry about that, guys. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, it, it yes, and th- again to to. Pull it to inquiry, you're just looking at what's here Mm -hmm. without the conceptual, releasing the conceptual judgments and the labels and the filters. Mm -hmm. So, what's actually here? That's right. Yeah.
1: And, and again, it doesn't matter for me to tell you what's here because I don't right. care to tell anyone right. anything. Sometimes talking like that will, will actually spark it.
0: We'll point. But the yeah. key
1: is, the, the, the thing I can teach you is how to actually look yourself yeah. and, that, and that it's valuable to look yourself. Yeah. And all, all you really have to do is look, as you said, without judgment, or you, well, you can't look without judgment because the judgments are gonna be almost automatic. They're habituated. Yeah. The labels will be habituated. Yeah. What you do is you look and then you go, oh, okay, I see whatever this is in front of me. I call it a table, whatever it is. I see the colors, patterns. I see that. I also see that there's a label, but is the label in that that I'm looking at mm. or is it up here? Then, okay, what now what does it look like when the label drops, right? And then, oh, okay, well, I still know that it's over there and I'm over here. Oh, really? Did your attention stay there or did it move back up into thought and turn it into a concept of distance? Now let's let that drop away. Yeah, that's the kind of inquiry you do for non-dual. And Mm. it's incredibly powerful. Mm. It it, it really works. And I've seen people who are essentially beginners at this drop into non-duality and incredibly quickly, not everyone will, but I've seen it happen. And um, it's really a matter of of, uh, sort of ruthless honesty Mm. with what a thought is versus what you're actually experiencing with the senses. And what's interesting about this is the smartest people have the most trouble with this.
0: Yeah, because they're so The conceptual. most intelligent
1: people have the most mm-hmm. trouble. Yep. And, and it's, it's a little bit interesting because it's a little bit of arrogance to the ego. The ego's arrogant. It says, no, no, I know, I know. I'm like, yeah, but if you're so smart and you trust empiricism so much, why don't you do something empirical and actually look. look at the fact that when you look here, nothing there has a label that says table and nothing here says anything about distance. You're making that up in your mind. Mm. Isn't that interesting? That's ruthless empiricism. That's the scientific method. That's applied the science of, applied to, to immediate experience.
0: Immediate experience. Nothing but, wrong with that. You're using the microscope of experience that you're turning it on this. And smart people, like very successful people, I think you're right, have more trouble with this because they are so conditioned to live in the conceptual mind as a tool that they identify with it much more. And it's very hard for them to find, and and I include myself in this not by being smart, but by being up in my head all the time. They they have very difficult, uh, a lot of difficulty identifying what a thought is. Like they think a thought is actually a real sensation or a part of the sense gate. For example, the feeling of being behind the head, this sort of window of, of eyes can feel like that's real. When in fact, if you investigate it through inquiry, it's a thought. Mm-hmm. It's an image thought that just happens to be quite persistent, mm-hmm. a conditioned image thought. Because all our life, we're kind of conditioned to believe we're here in our head and the world is out there. But if you really look at that very carefully and you're ruthless about, now, this yeah. is actually a thought, it starts to be seen for what it is, which mm-hmm. is a nothing, and then it's just this. Yeah, the imagining of
1: the self, like you're describing visually, is is a good example because Let's say you woke up at 7 a.m. and you went to bed at 10 p.m. and you spent the entire day walking around doing whatever you do. How much of that day did you imagine? Not, not everybody does this as much as others. Some people do it a lot more than others, but you literally imagine yourself walking, yourself talking, you imagine the conversations you're having. Mm-hmm. So if you spend that, the, that 7 to 10 p.m. right all day long, how much of the day are you imagining yourself, imagining your face or what you're saying? If you never actually look in a mirror mm-hmm. or anything reflective, you never actually saw your face all day long. Mm-hmm is it, and so and so to say no no that's not a thought it's kind of insane it's, like it, it is a thought like it, it's amazing how much but here's the deal that makes it that stark contrast makes it obvious but what's happening all the time actually is we're overlaying that picturing that we're doing onto everything we're looking at that's what break that's what you actually undermine with non-duality with non-dual realization and it's a Big sh- shift in a lot of ways. Like you may get tastes of it, so that you're not too surprised. But it's a big shift in experience. It's a big experiential shift to all of a sudden have no boundaries and realize there never were bound, there were never boundaries. There's not space in the way we think about it, and to directly experience it, <laughs> not scientifically understand it, because there are scientists who who know that this is true. That this is the idea. consciousness puts all this together and makes it look three dimensional. It makes it look in a way that it's not quite. This <laughs> world does not look like our minds make it look. Right. Okay. We're seeing frequencies, uh, uh, right?
0: Okay, I, I, okay. So so much here, so much, so much. Okay, first, the fact that you point out what science actually knows about reality, which is exactly what experience will show you when you look. Yep. That you know everything from quantum mechanics all the way up. That that, that that again, the way consciousness neuroscientists will tell you, there is no self. Mm-hmm. In the brain, there's no little homunculus there. It doesn't exist. It's a series of processes that make us feel like there's a cohesive whole. And this is not commenting on what's physically real in the world or is everything consciousness or everything material, it doesn't matter. As a matter of experience, there there is no self in there. So science agrees with this, but what is potentially destabilizing to people if they're not ready is the actual experience of that. Right when the filters drop and you realize no, there is no boundaries. Everything is this raw energy experience. I'm not even going to talk about it. It, uh, it can you people get because it's so uh, different than the overlays we throw on, the video game that we build and the interface that we have built since we were very young and conditioned by society, conditioned by our own minds to repetitively create this wave pattern of this is how it is. The idea of the face, like you don't see your face, mm-hmm. right? But yet it's there in your mind mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. For me, when I talk to you, if I'm not, if I'm just go unconscious, oh, there's a face talking to you. Like my face, I see my face in my mind and it's making these expressions and I can modulate it. And as part of it is conditioning of like talking to you guys all day. But if that drops and everything is what it is, that can be really disorienting. Mm -hmm.
1: It can when the contrast is that stark. Right. When you have sort of eased up to it and and done a lot of the emotion work and all that stuff and the the fear doesn't come and the the dissociation. One, One of the big things that happens with people when they energetically or say neurologically find themselves in a in a really different experience, especially with when it comes to like boundaries and stuff, mm. is they'll dissociate. It feels like a very dissociated state. Because the sense of isolation is sort of still there. The sense of being I'm back here on the subject, it's it's very uncomfortable. But but when you've worked through this stuff and you've, you know, kind of Dissolve the different barriers, and and you, especially with equanimity, you're not you're not mm. struggling all the time with everything, and mm. the the sense of the reactive self is very calm. Mm. Then it, it actually is quite enjoyable. It's it, things are just much closer. Things are very intimate, very direct, very um, just alive, and mm. and there, there's nothing reacting to it trying to pull back from it or anything like that then it then this this boundlessness is very enjoyable so it's a progression and ah. yes when there's a stark contrast it can be like whoa what the hell and there's going to be a handful of people just that listen to this that happens to it, it just right. happens it just right. happens i right. know it's going to happen sometimes when i talk about this so but it's okay of course um, it, when you do the work and you integrate the, the the emotional you know repressed emotions and the resistance patterns and all the stuff that happens over a handful of years with this kind of process it's fine it's more than fine it's 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 natural it's real yeah. it's quite enjoyable it's real and unreal it's very paradoxical it's wild you know um and but but the word intimate i always come back to the word intimate because it's that's the thing that we don't realize that when we live in a the standing wave of mind identification there's always a sense of isolation always a sense of subjective subjectivity of being back here everything's out there right Non-duality is a collapse of that. So everything is here. It's just so intimate. It's here, 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 and there's no center though either. It's it's just super intimate. So uh-huh. it's enjoyable. It's you know Tony Parsons, is a, like a non-duality speaker, that says it's the lover that never leaves you. Mm. It's a very good way of saying it.
0: That's that's beautiful. Mm. And and. I mean, there's not much I can say to that <laughs> just a, i i think this I think there is a disclaimer that you know we often will put on this, which is like hmm, guys, like sometimes when you're directly pointing there, um some people will just experience these shifts and um and there's you know there's support for that experience, and sometimes the slower approach where it kind of you know the mm-hmm. filters start to drop slowly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you're, but one interesting last thing, I think, and we wanna save your voice because we're gonna do a bunch of shows, but one of the interesting last things is um, it's very hard to be destabilized if there isn't a self to destabilize.
1: That's That makes all the difference.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So that final dropping of uh, identity, that final up, now we'll use the term uprooting, mm-hmm. yeah? Yeah. Uh, is Is, that's, You know that I guess you would call liberation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because there's nothing
1: liberated from the the illusion of having a suffering separate self. Yes,
0: I think that's a good way to end this video. Mm -hmm. It's it's a bit of a cliffhanger, isn't it? (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's like the Dukes of Hazard. Whenever they'd go to commercial break, it would be like they'd be launching like this, and it's like, are they are them Duke boys going to make it this time? (laughs) And it's like, are we going to be liberated? Destabilized or all of the above. Does it matter? Probably not, but it's gonna be awesome. Buckle your seatbelt, flash. (laughs) Hot, hot, pussy. I love you guys. Uh, Link to the book is in the description. Link to Angelo's website. Uh, Yes, and his YouTube channel where he does very direct teaching on all this stuff, like a video a day. You're a machine, man. You're a non-duality dancing machine. Is that a thing? I guess so. It is now. I love you. We're out. Hey, it's Dr. Z. Thanks for getting through the whole episode. That's a huge accomplishment. (laughs) And so at this point, I just got to ask you for a few favors because it just helps us so much if you leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe.